I would love to get an email that is tinged with subtle disagreement. Welcome back to another episode of Exposing Ourselves. I'm Travis Ritchie, and this is episode 27. This is the show where we expose each other to new things. Matt, a big music fan, will assign me one of his favorite albums or playlists to listen to each week, and I, a movie buff, will give him one of my favorite films, and we come together on this very podcast to discuss it all. And with me, as always, is my very good friend, Matt Runquist. Hey, Travis, I love the little dance you did there. But it's just for you. Just for me, because no one else can see it. Hey, That's Travis, right. this week I watched the movie Rise of the Planet of the Apes, and you listened to the music of singer-songwriter Vance Joy. Vance Joy. You know, I do love, uh, you know, points just for having the name, the word joy in your name. Uh, I am all about that. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I have to apologize to our, our listeners for uh, being on the radio and not being able to see my little radio dance. Uh, it's a, I don't know, a little shimmy. It was good. It was good. You know what? Uh, there are lots of voice actors who do mm-hmm. an awful lot of physical acting while they're in the booth. In it's order important. To, yeah. yeah. Your your voice is attached to your body, uh, literally. So Whoa. it helps. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. I know. I know. I'm yeah, into it. True. So how was your week, my friend? My week was pretty good. It was 4th of July week. Um, <gasps> it was. So it, maybe that's why it feels both uh, at once that it's been so long since we've chatted yes. and yet not. I don't know. No time at all. Yeah. Actually, there is one pretty negative effect of the 4th of July weekend, which is that there are many fireworks and wow, does my dog hate fireworks. Just one of them. Oh. But one is plenty. He hides in the closet. We have headphones for him oh, to keep no. the sound down. We give him trazodone, which is like a, a mild... Uh, I, I don't know if it's anti-anxiety or sedative, what is, but it's pretty mild. Yeah, like a Valium or something. Yeah, it does work pretty Puppy well uh, as long as you are able to give it well in advance. But our immediate next-door neighbors this year had a party, and there were a lot of very illegal fireworks going oh. off just feet from our house. It was very unpleasant. What do you mean they're very illegal? I thought Wisconsin was all pro-firework. No, uh, most of the, most of the cities in Wisconsin, fireworks are illegal. Yes. Oh, right, so and you are right there in Milwaukee. We are so. right in the city. Houses are very close together, and so yep. all of the dozens of fireworks they let off were very illegal. Oh, but man. They didn't sucks. start a fire, uh, so that's good. But other good. than that, had a good time, had barbecue with friends, uh, had a short week at work, which is always lovely. Um, and very little else to report. Yeah, walking the dogs and, and keeping on, keeping on. That's great. Uh, luckily, Coco doesn't seem to be, at this point in her life, too terribly affected by fireworks. Uh, but I do remind myself that neither was Dot when she was a puppy. Um, so, uh, but we, Coco and I were out walking around. I did go to a friend's little teeny-weeny barbecue on the day, I rode my bike to Northridge, which is a kind of a substantial bike ride, and we, uh, and then I got home in time to uh, walk Coco kind of right after dark. So, like, oh wow, yeah, fireworks were kind of still going off uh, around, and of course, everybody and their neighbor in LA has fireworks. It's not just city fireworks that happen. It's uh, mm-hmm. it's everybody has their own their you know. St- 
not store-bought because you don't buy them at the store. Do you buy them at the store? I don't you know do, where you buy fireworks. You do, in fact, buy them at, at a fireworks store usually. Sure. So, uh, But I don't know if what the legality of that is oh, here in yeah. L.A., yeah. You know, so anyway, but uh, but she was pretty good. She was pretty chill. And uh, the 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 hanging out with friends was, of course, nice. And uh, other than that, I also had a pretty chill week. Uh, we did have the results of the uh, election, the board oh, election. Yes. How did that go, Travis? How did that go? Of five, uh, five candidates for four positions. I was the only one not to oh, get voted no. onto the board. Oh, so Travis. It was, it's okay because it's not like it's a paying position or anything. or It really is just more responsibility. And mm. I'm fine with not having more responsibility. <laughs> and I will say, though, that the board as it exists has really taken a lot of my suggestions to heart. Mm. So I feel heard and seen and, um, and, and appreciated. Several people reached out to me with expressions of amazement that i didn't make it onto the board Mm -hmm. so that was a little heartening yeah i i also did something that was really interesting and you can probably find evidence of this on the internet uh you know we have the 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 writers guild strike going on right now in los angeles and the uh, the actors were supposed to start striking last week or mm-hmm. actually maybe just before last week yeah maybe on the third and uh they announced that negotiations were promising enough that they were going to extend the current contract for two weeks in good faith okay and continue negotiations so that brings us to i think the through the 12th but me and a bunch of friends uh did this and and, and is, is this girl who is part of the collaborative actually she organized this flash mob dance thing where we went to the studios Uh and basically just did a flash mob to show our support uh of the thing and to kind of try to raise some awareness of it and it worked like we were on the news oh nice and uh yeah we were on abc and maybe cbs and telemundo and um yeah so that was cool you could probably find i think it's flash hashtag flash mob at the gates is what you would look for if you want to look for it uh, online. So that was fun. Uh, I also did a table read for uh, for a complete stranger's script. I actually didn't even take part in the read other than going to listen and then providing some, uh, you know, my, my thoughts. It was actually really good just to sit in a room with a bunch of creative people and listen to a new interesting TV pilot script. And uh, and then I actually had one one of my own contributions made everybody go, oh, I hadn't even thought of that, like in a really excited way. Like it was a very important thing to think about that they hadn't thought about. So uh, that was nice too. And um, went on a couple hikes. Oh, speaking of Coco, uh, I so I took her for, we were going to go on Friday to go join in the picketing at CBS where I work. But I, uh, we got there too late. We got there a little after 2 p.m. And Nobody was there. Mm. And I was like, well, that's weird. But apparently they have summer strike hours where they end early because of the heat. And it's about to get really hot here in L.A. And so instead, we just rode on the bike to... It was already the furthest we've ever ridden on the bike with her Mm -hmm. bike trailer, you know, behind it. Yeah. And we rode to a friend's house to then hang out there and then go to a park when it cooled down a little bit. Okay. And we're riding down the road and I get to a stop sign... And all of a sudden, Coco walks up 
next to me. <laughs> and I'm like, what are you doing? And I looked and she had she had chewed her way or mm. or, or, or forced her way through the front seam, I guess, uh-huh. uh, like broken the zipper. Not uh-huh. the zipper itself, but the seam for the zipper, uh-huh. and pushed her way out of the front of of the bike. Oh no! And I was like, "Oh my god!" And so I I put her back in, scolded her a little bit, and then <laughs> I, I I attached it via like there was still a little Velcro uh-huh. attachment for the thing, and I attached that, thinking maybe it'll hold. Now, of course, twenty no. feet later, she was out again, poking uh-huh. her head, trying to call out. And so I pulled over, and then I realized these things have little uh, attachments inside to secure leashes mm. to, right? Okay. And so I hooked that up, mm-hmm. and then she was so happy poking her head out the front, but not being able to go anywhere because uh-huh. she had yeah, the leash yeah. attached. Yeah. And she just—I I have video. I'll have to—I'll sh- have to show it to you, or I'll post it to my Instagram of her just sitting there enjoying a bike oh, ride. That sounds and, lovely. Uh, yes, it's been great because I have been. She has been whining and barking while we've been riding to the park, uh-huh. and I wasn't sure if it was because she didn't like the trailer. Or she knew we were going to the park and she was just expressing her excitement. Uh-huh. And so now I know that she's fine with the trailer. And so yesterday, we went all the way to Runyon Canyon, which is something I've wanted to do mm-hmm. with her for a while. And it takes about 30 minutes to get there, 30, 40 minutes. And then we did a whole hike, and then we rode back, and it was wonderful. It was delightful. So uh, I'm very happy about that. That's maybe my big victory this week. So. That is very heartwarming. Yeah, yeah. So good news, exciting stuff. Uh, you know, being a doggy daddy again is uh, definitely good for me. Uh, I, it's crazy to think that I went so long without having a dog. Like yeah. it was, it's been like eight years almost. Wow. Since Dot died. That's yeah. crazy. Although I still call Coco Dot all the time. And <laughs> yeah. It's not. That's not unusual. Uh, when we got uh, Pierre, uh, we called him Eddie for a really long time. Even though Eddie was still alive at the time, we we called oh. him Eddie. And then oh. and then after Eddie died, we, we kept that calling That makes him. some sense. My mom yeah. always, I don't know if your mom did this, but the, she always called me by all my brother's names first. Yeah. And yeah. sometimes the dog's names before right. she got to mine. <laughs> yeah. Nate, Jason, Pucky. Travis, as long as it's within two or three tries, I think it's fine. So, yeah. Anyways, well, uh, uh, what do you say we get into it, Travis? We'll, yeah, let's get let, into the meat. Let's shake it up. Get into the meat. Shake it up a little bit and do the. Let's do the music first this week. All right, uh, we can do the music first. Tell me about uh, Vance Joy. Well, I alluded to this a little bit last week, but I don't know a ton about Vance Joy. Hmm. I will tell you that I came to him through. Uh, my wife's enjoyment of him a few years ago. He's got a little bit, he's not a country singer, but he's got a little bit of pop country about him. And that bothered me the first couple of songs of his that I heard. And I was like, ah, that guy's a country guy. And so I didn't really listen closely to him. Uh, He is best known for the 2013 song Riptide. And it's Mm -hmm. a really good song. Uh, And he's, and he let's see he's got a he had a five album deal with Atlantic Records that he signed after that song and uh he's released a few albums now and they're all really really good and in the last couple of years i have just really kind of started to realize that i had uh i had put him by the wayside too soon um his music is really enjoyable it's pretty pretty positive most of the time which i 
like and which is maybe a little bit of a change up from a lot of the music that I listen to. Um, and I would say my the song on the playlist that I gave you, and don't forget, folks, the playlist link is in the description, and the playlist link for next week will also be in the description. But anyways, the my favorite song is Missing Peace. Uh, so... Yeah, I just heard it on the radio, and I was like, I, I've been, I've been unfairly maligning this guy. I should listen to him, and he's, he's pretty darn good. Just played Summerfest here in Milwaukee, big crowd, uh, and uh, nice. Yeah, let's tell me, tell me what you thought. Uh, you know what? I'm, I, I won't, uh, I won't uh, sidestep this at all. I enjoyed it quite a bit. It was, it's is a very short playlist uh, for what we've been used to. The whole thing is only 29 minutes, yeah. and I, I feel like you could have given me more on it to listen to, for sure. And I would have enjoyed, I would have enjoyed it. Like the, I think I listened to it three times through. Wow! And every time I finished it, going, oh, that's it. <laughs> Well, you know, and that's funny, right? Because I absolutely agree with you. And this is partially a function of me not knowing Vance Joy as well as some of the other uh, people that I have Uh presented to you. I did think about just like throwing more tracks on there because he's very consistent. I was like, I'll bet you I can just throw some tracks on here and Travis won't even notice that they're like not as good as the other things. (laughs) Mm. But I didn't do that. But you're always welcome to explore. I appreciate you being so um, so deliberate in 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 your picking of songs uh, because you could have just gone in and and picked his ten most popular songs on YouTube Music and, and that's uh, you didn't just do that um, but I wouldn't mind if you did something like that if you needed to fill out a a, a, a track list in the future especially with something like this and I think one of the things that I really appreciated about him is that there is joy in his in his music yeah and uh, your the positivity that you mentioned is is clearly there it's it's fun anybody who uses a what is it a ukulele there's definitely music, ukulele in there. I mean, I think the first two songs had some uke in them, and uh, <laughs> I really, uh, you can't not enjoy that. I, I was a little nervous that it was going to be uke heavy. Oh. Um, <laughs> but it wasn't. It wasn't. It's not. So don't worry about it for those of you who, uh, a, who tune in and check just out. Just a little sprinkle. Just a little sprinkle. Yeah, 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 yeah. In a fun way, just like uh, just like um, Florence and the Machine had had some u- ukulele, and uh, it's fun. It's interesting. There is something with his voice that um, is, I feel like, of a time. His voice is not timeless in the way that some singers are. Uh, it it has a. Um, I think he does a lot of head voice. I okay. mean, you could tell me more than more than I maybe know. It's just he goes high in a way that's not doesn't feel like his natural voice, right? right. Yeah, um, it's it's like his his performance voice, mm-hmm. and that's okay. I feel like I wonder if I will still be into this or if he will still be relevant in 10 years but of course maybe if he's already been around for 10 years maybe he will i don't know uh this is the first i've i've really heard of him so um but yeah i will say he's been pretty consistent you know every few years he releases an album and one or two songs off it are are pretty popular riptide uh it's funny because I didn't know this, but Riptide was actually a massive hit 
right? And I think oh. we talked about this last week, but like Riptide is the song that he plays at the end of the show. Uh, okay. You know, it's, it's really the song for him. Uh, and I didn't come to him through that song. I didn't even know that song was Vance Joy. Uh, when I was listening to the playlist this week, I was like, oh, this is this is Vance Joy. <laughs> okay. Then I just threw this on here because I knew it was his most popular song. And like, oh. Yeah. Yeah, it was just so. that song you had heard before several yeah. times. I think I had probably heard this song too, but it's really hard for me to say now that I've listened to the whole thing three times. Uh-huh. It's really hard to say, oh, was I familiar with it before? Uh-huh. Or am I just now familiar with it? Yeah. Because I've listened to it a few it times. Is, it is um, pretty catchy music for sure. It is. It It, it is of... And that, I guess, says something about the song where it could be one or the other of those things and it doesn't really matter. It could, it, it just is a song that feels like you know it when mm-hmm. you hear it. And uh, and so that was great. I also loved, there was, there was a song and it wasn't, uh, I don't think it was Riptide. It was uh, one of the next songs and there was a... Um, there was a lyric in it that, that name-dropped Michelle Pfeiffer. Yeah. And yeah. I and it's it's in talking about like being a movie star, being a mm-hmm. uh, uh, I'm not sure if it was necessarily a female movie star or whatever, but like mm-hmm. it's and it's funny because it's not the first, it's not the only recent song to do that. Right. Uh, Bruno Mars did it in uh, in Uptown Funk, and I just think it's fascinating that for some reason Michelle Pfeiffer is the epitome of of the female movie star that uh, just... so I was looking at this that is actually in Riptide yeah the I swear she's oh, destined it? for the screen closest thing to Michelle Pfeiffer that you've ever seen yeah there but yeah go. she is still I mean she's been iconic for such a long time right I mean absolutely the, you know she, she was kind of I would say mid-late career when What Lies Beneath came out, and that was 22 yeah. years ago, right? I know, right? Yeah, I just thought that was so funny that, uh, that you know, especially since we just watched a Michelle Pfeiffer movie and yeah. uh, to have that name drop in here. And, and that, like, I don't... I can't think of other actresses that are name-dropped like that in, in, in music. Yeah, that's... Uh... You know, maybe in rap, there's a few actresses that might be uh, name dropped, but sure, uh, just because so much of rap is making allusions to other parts of pop culture, mm-hmm. you know. But uh, certainly in in pop music, uh, you know, sort of pop rock type of things, I, I don't think it is yeah. very common. And yeah, Michelle Pfeiffer is the she's the one that everybody knows. And it is a great name, though, Michelle Pfeiffer. It just, it flows. It's a, I don't know if that's, I feel like maybe that's not her real name, her born, her given name. Mm-hmm. Um, I, we should probably look that up, but uh, I think what a great, uh, what a great name uh, to have chosen. So, uh, right? I don't know. Yeah, So, absolutely. yes, uh, I, I enjoyed this music. It was, um, it, it uh, I don't, I don't know if it's the type of music that I'll be listening to in 10 years mm-hmm. like I, I do feel like it's of a time of of maybe the last 10 years it sure. feels very like of its of the last uh, that period of time right mm-hmm. uh you know, like pre-pandemic type music i don't know i don't know you how know, to describe that's, it that's interesting um so first of all michelle pfeiffer is her given name oh. interesting 
because uh, because it's a fantastic name. But second of all, you know, you have made the you made this uh, a similar observation about the killers saying it felt like it was of its time and that was early 2000s can you put your finger on what you think feels maybe not timeless about this or is it just like a sense i think for in this particular case it has to do with uh, probably the things i've mentioned already the the combination of ukulele which is mm, traditionally not a, a, a common thing but was for a while a little bit popular right Mm -hmm. And then also his voice, his style of singing, mm -hmm. being untraditional means that it's it's specific. And um, and because of that specificity, I think it's going to place it in this period where we have. A, a, and again, I don't I can't I can't pinpoint other singers who do the same thing with the with the way that they sing mm -hmm. but i just feel like i know it i feel like i've heard it from other singers around the same period of the last 10 years uh sure. this kind of like head voice instead of instead of just using your voice you know yeah i'll say it's funny right because i i sing along to things a lot and I am always stunned at how high male parts are because when I listen to them, a lot of times mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's that sounds normal. Right. Mm -hmm. And then I try to sing along with it and I'm like, this is in the sky. Right. Yeah. And that happens to to me a lot. Uh, so I can definitely see that. Do you think it happens thing. to you more more commonly now? Because I, I do the same thing. And. Yeah. Like I never had that problem with Billy Joel or mm -hmm. you know Paul Simon or um, you know even some of the people that did sing higher like uh, like uh, Susudio um, Phil Collins Phil Collins you know has a higher voice but I can generally reach it and that that sounds kind of like his his real voice you know mm -hmm. um, yeah but I don't know it's it's I guess it I guess I'll sum it up by saying it sounds like a like I said before, a performance voice, a um, an affectation, sure. rather than his actual singing voice, and uh, I think because of that, it's that's what places it in a particular period of time for me. All right, cool. Well, given that it's I mean, from a you oh. are certainly welcome, and 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 our listeners to tell me I'm full of poop uh, by thinking <laughs> that. Like, you feel free to write in. I I admit that I am not. A music expert this is the whole premise of this show is that i don't know what i'm talking about i'm just discovering my musical language uh as as it pertains to pop music and uh um and entertainment music so tell well, me i'm wrong feel free to write in <laughs> <laughs> exposing ourselves podcast at gmail.com um all right cool well i think it's time to rate it travis what would you like to give this uh for yeah, rating yeah, yeah. Uh, you know what? It's, uh, it's 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 better than average. I'm gonna give it a, a solid seven. A solid seven. A solid like seven. A, like a good seven. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah. You you I, sound sure. You sound sure that this is. a I'm seven. I'm pretty sure it just feels like music. a seven. I'm yeah. I'm perfectly happy to listen to this anytime. Uh, I'm. It might not be the first thing I choose to put on, mm -hmm. and and I'm not sure that I'll like it in ten years. But um, sure, sure. All right, cool. Well, uh, my rating for this is very, very close to yours. We almost matched up on this one, but I am going to give it an eight. I 
I ah, do really. Okay. I think I would have given it a seven six months ago, right? Interesting. Uh, but uh, I've gotten a little more into this lately, which is what brought me, uh, for, uh, got me to bring it to you. Uh, nice. So it's an eight for me. Nice. And and if you wanted to uh, challenge me six months from now to give it a listen <laughs> and see if uh, I still like it, uh, it maybe I would bump it up to an eight. It, if longevity is the, I think my only sticking point on this one. Fair enough. So, Fair enough. Yeah. All right. Great. Seven and eight sounds like a pretty good, uh, pretty good album uh, playlist. So check it out on our uh, on the video on the what what is it called the the info YouTube the, music the, oh the description no the description the yeah yeah, yeah exactly the podcast <laughs> description you know you know what I'm talking about people uh, speaking of people let's talk about the end of people let's talk and about the rise apes. of the planet of the apes. <laughs> Yeah, let's do it. Uh, so I assigned you this movie. I will tell you that the reason I wanted to watch this again, and I think I'd only seen it once before, maybe twice, probably twice, is that the third movie in this series is amazing, I thought. Like, I was... I remember, I, and I've only seen each of them one time, so maybe my uh, memory is skewed. But I remember thinking... How do you make a prequel when we all know what's going to happen? We all know the world that the Earth is going to become. The Statue of Liberty is going to be, you know, covered in sand, and uh, Charlton Heston's going to crash, and uh, and 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 Doctor Doctor Ozymandias, no, Doctor Zaius, Doctor Zaius, Doctor Zaius, Doctor Zaius. <laughs> <laughs> Um, is going to uh, is going to you know make friends with him or something. I don't know. Uh, I've only seen <laughs> that one one time too. But uh, it's such a trope, the Planet of the Apes, and the, and there was that awful Tim Burton uh, reboot a few years back. And like we didn't did we need did we need a prequel to all that? I didn't think so. Ten you know twelve years ago when this movie came out in two thousand one, but somehow they did something interesting. And uh, this movie stars uh, James Franco and John Lithgow and Brian Cox and Tom Felton of Harry Potter fame and uh, David Oyelo. And uh, and those are the recognizable human actors. And then they cast Andy Serkis, who played Gollum in The Lord of the Rings, to do the performance capture for the, um, for the head ape, Caesar. And... You follow Caesar from before he's born, and basically it explains how uh, humans are trying to come up with a cure for Alzheimer's, and they're they're messing with the brain, and they're testing this brain drug on uh, chimpanzees, and that's how this all gets started, because... um, James Franco's dad has Alzheimer's, and he's desperate to find a cure, and so he he tests, you know, these drugs maybe unethically and um anyway so along comes this they test it on this on this one chimpanzee who ends up having a baby like they test it while she's pregnant and so the drug gets genetically passed on and improves the brain function of caesar so in order to get all this monkey well not monkey but ape acting (laughs) they did them completely CGI. And in order to get that performance, they hired one of the best performance capture actors around uh, with Andy Serkis. And 
man, is it good. Like, I mean, the movie itself is not that great on, on my on my recent <laughs> viewing. Uh, yeah, yeah. But the emotion that you get through the eyes of this ape is kind of... Um, Kind of spectacular, and uh, so it's a trilogy now. Uh, this was followed by Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, and then War for the Planet of the Apes, and then now apparently there's going to be a fourth film, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, to be released next year. So, um, Matt, Matthew, what did you think of Rise of the Planet of the Apes? Yeah, uh, thank you for that introduction. I think it was, uh, it's really, it's really good. To I'm letting you off the hook for needing is... to like this movie. <laughs> well, th- thank you. I appreciate that. Um, just the the idea that this is kind of a prequel that there are not a whole lot of blanks. Like, if you think about, you know, say the Star Wars prequels, right? There were uh-huh. a bunch of seeds laying, laid in the original movies that there are references made to all sorts of past events and things mm-hmm. that are left completely unanswered questions, right? Sure. And yeah. and I don't know that there yeah, as you said, there there's not a whole lot of really unanswered questions. Uh well, there weren't there weren't questions, is it? Yeah. Thing. Like yeah. I mean we didn't know how it happened. Right. There was never explained to my knowledge. It just it just kind of like, you know, hundreds of years in the future. Yeah. Well, because, in charge. you know, uh, so the original source material, I believe, is a short story or a novella. Um, maybe it's even a whole novel, but it's it's a relatively short science fiction story. And it's one of those stories that's, you know, hey, here's the little twist at the end. It was Earth the whole time. Right. And this is it's a, it's a trope. Right. Um, and. You know, yeah, the, you're absolutely right that they weren't like sort of explicit questions asked, but you can kind of fill in the blanks, right? So, yeah, so here's this movie that doesn't seem to have a whole lot of reason to exist, but it does. Mm-hmm. Um, and <laughs> and yet. And yet. And I, yeah, I, I mean, I'm going to agree with you wholeheartedly here. The, the CGI is very impressive, there are times when it's easy to forget that it's CGI. I would say there are more times when it's not easy to forget that it's CGI. Right. It, yeah. it, they do that thing where everybody moves just a little bit too smoothly and, you know, it, and it's it's just tough. But I don't want to read it too hard like uh, the CGI that is. Um, it, it's very impressive. I have a tough time with CGI movies. You know this. It's part of why I struggle to connect with superhero movies is mm-hmm. because a lot of things don't have weight uh, when you're when you're dealing with CGI. And yeah. that, that is a problem that this movie kind of struggles with at times. Oh, interesting. I was going to say that, that this movie actually does that particularly well in most of the situations with the, uh, with the apes actually having... I think Mass. you know so let's let's sort of move to a little bit of a plot actiony question right mm-hmm. like whenever you're having a particular piece of action right you want to be able to like photograph it well and have something that's visually striking but you also want to have that visually striking thing make sense right there's a I'm thinking specifically of when they attack the facility that the chimps are being uh experimented on Mm-hmm. And then they're leaving that facility. There's this scene where the chimps 
burst out of like yes. four different levels of the building at the same time through the windows through the windows mm-hmm. and it's not clear why or how any of that like like why why are they jumping through the side why don't they go out the door they went in the door why don't they come out the door why are they bursting through the side of the and the answer is because it's visually striking Right, sure, like that's sure. the answer. Let's... Well, and you know, maybe it's the closest <laughs> exit, and uh, and and they're not smart enough to know how doors work. I don't know, but it does not look real. It does not yeah. look like a thing impacted the window in order to break it. Right. Yeah. 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 So, um, and there's a bunch of nitpicky things that I could say about that, but ultimately, I think a lot of the action chooses visual impressiveness over like a sort of groundedness and that's fine right but it does turn this into the type of movie that i i struggle with so the other thing that i wanted to say and i will say let me me pause just for a second and say that i had not remembered it quite being that way and i think and again i'm not positive because it has been several years since i've seen the sequels but i think the sequels pull back on that a little bit Mm -hmm. and improve the cgi Mm-hmm. and decrease the instances where you are pulled from the story because of it. Mm-hmm. And um, so, yeah, that's I, I feel like it gets better. Okay. And, and <laughs> I also, uh, go ahead. You, you continue because I better. have another nitpick. Okay. Um, well, I so there there's here's a nitpick that I had. So you you laid out this very impressive cast, but you forgot one of the most important people, which is Frida Pinto, is in this movie, and it's very easy to forget that she's in this movie because she has literally nothing to do the entire time. She's yeah, just yeah. she's just the arm candy that hangs out with James Franco. Franco, are they dating? Are they married? Are they mm-hmm. sleeping together? Are they? Do, does she just like hanging out with a super smart chimpanzee? What what's going on there? I don't know. But you know what? Frida Pinto is very pretty, and uh, she does a great job. Yeah, she does, and she's she actually I believe everything she said um, in the movie. Like I I think she's a she's a very good actress. I don't know her from anything else. Okay. Uh, so I do you? What is she uh, from? I know her name, but I don't. I okay. I, don't know. I didn't even. Yeah. I I couldn't. I, I I wouldn't have even known her. But um, I I will say uh, I was disappointed by the by some of the acting in this movie as an actor that's something i keep an eye out for okay and i thought the two elder statesmen john lithgow and uh and brian cox were great they both they both are wonderful in everything brian cox is uh basically brian cox in this movie and john lithgow actually had to do some heavy lifting acting yeah because his character was going from severe alzheimer's to no Alzheimer's and back again mm-hmm. uh, in pretty short order. And uh, but it was the two, it was the two or three younger actors, um, specifically James Franco and uh, Tom Felton. Yeah. And uh, and David Oyelowo for some reason weren't very good. Yeah, they I were don't okay. think. I would say the only one of them that was even believable in the role was Tom Felton, and that's just because. You know, the role is kind of like somebody who's not very good at it's stuff. It's a two-dimensional jerk, jerkhead. Yeah. Like, yeah. there wasn't much to do. Like, I mean, he, he was 
I, I honestly, I think he had he was more believable as uh, as Draco Malfoy, especially <laughs> in the later movies, than he was in this character. And maybe part of that is he had to deal with the English accent or the American accent. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't know what his deal was, but. Uh, he didn't feel like a fully fleshed out character, and the way he delivered some lines was not particularly believable. But I mean, I, I want to give him some some wiggle room because he wasn't acting with an actual ape. But most of the time, Andy Circus or some stand-in for the apes was there, so it's not like he didn't have anything to act against. So I don't know what uh, I don't know how to necessarily excuse uh, that acting, other than maybe it was also the script. Um so I want to I want to move on to my other mm-hmm. big gripe about this movie and this isn't a yes. gripe about the movie per se, right? This is a really hard movie to watch. At at least the first half. Um there's pretty significant animal abuse going on. Um and it's like if you are an animal lover uh and you are aware of how intelligent uh, chimpanzees are. Uh, mm-hmm. This is this is a rough watch. Like this was not fun. It was deeply unpleasant, uh, and it didn't yeah. feel and it didn't feel like like it didn't feel like the story like it didn't feel like the story was surprising in any way. Or it was like the humans sucked and the apes took the planet over. And like yeah, duh. I. I feel that way now, and I haven't even taken an amazing drug, right? Like, I, you know, humans do kind of suck most of the time. And, yeah. you, you know, so I don't know that I really needed to see, like, the details of, like, apes being uh, um, caught in the wild and then sold to research facilities and then research facilities treating them very poorly and yeah, and then moving them on to primate rescues that are also treating them very poorly and and shocking them and like it was it was it was rough, man. I will say not every human was was mean. Uh, I mean, they they there there was something in the research facility that the the people actually dealing with the apes were trying to treat them fairly humanely and uh well it was just like the boss didn't care about how the apes were treated he just wanted the money from the drugs and you know uh and i do think they do had they did have to set up the idea that we had to root for the apes right Right. i and i like i don't i don't have any complaint about that right i just like the story is very simplistic. It is very mm-hmm. much like humans bad, apes go crazy, right? Like, <laughs> you know, and, and that's and that continues on through the through the whole the theme of the of the next couple movies too. Yeah, you know? and uh, and so I just I just wanted to call that out and say like this this was a hard watch for me. Like, you know, if if there you know there's the website, uh, does the dog die? Right. Uh-huh. That this one felt like the kind of movie that I would like see the warning on Does the Dog Die and be like, Yeah, I don't want to watch this. Interesting. You know? Well, you would hate the newest Guardians of the Galaxy movie. Uh be- I've heard that. Yeah, yeah, I've heard that. Uh, it's a basically it's basically two hours of animal vivisection and uh it is I had a hard time watching it. And this one I did not have that same problem with. Um I thought that it was done in the service of the story. It it 
in the way you know we're seeing this kind of this kind of treatment of animals in order to show why they have the right i guess to take over uh, and 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 win and what's interesting what i really like also is the way they thread the needle of apes rising to power wasn't the apes deciding that humans needed to die they did nothing it was the humans that did it to themselves like through hubris right the hubris of man yeah and we created the virus that kills us and just yes. happens to give rise to the apes yeah yeah um which yeah that that is i would say that is probably the cleverest part of the plot is the fact that because of course, no matter how many chimpanzees and orangutans and gorillas you release, they're never going to be mm-hmm. able to take over the world unless there's a significant drop in the in the human population. And exactly. This yeah. this movie does a really good job of of telling that story without hitting you over the head with it. Um, yeah. You know, so that yeah. that was good. I'll yeah. I'll give it that. Uh, I think so for me the 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 best reason to watch this movie is Andy Serkis's performance capture performance. Uh I think it's a uh, it's extraordinary and it gets better. Um I I went to a Q&A with him uh for the third movie where he talked about doing it and they did a screening of of War of, War for the Planet of the Apes and it was just kind of it's it's brilliant stuff. And so I if you think you could try the next movie and 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 then the third i i would encourage you to try it um because i i the character of caesar gets very interesting Mm -hmm. and uh they stay with him uh at least through the next two movies so okay um well what did you give it a rating for us Ooh, a rating. Uh, well, I think you'll you will be unsurprised to learn that this is below average for me. Hmm. Um, yeah, uh, I did like the actors that you called out, John Lithgow, and uh, who's the Brian Cox? Brian Cox. He's yeah. in Succession right now. Which, if you need yeah. to watch some TV, it might be your thing. I haven't watched it because it's there's no superheroes or spaceships in it. But... <laughs> But it's it was generally generally regarded to be an amazing show. I watched half of the first episode and found it very depressing. So wow. <laughs> it is a show that apparently doesn't have any good character, any redeeming characters, which yeah. is also a thing that I don't like in television. Yeah, that's going to be. I need tough someone for me. to root for. But uh, anyways, yeah, uh, this is I think a three. There's a few oh. redeeming. Yeah, there's a few redeeming characteristics, uh, but. Very little. Uh, so, I I would say it's probably a little bit better movie than that. It's probably a four or five. But because it was so hard for me to like, I almost turned it off about forty minutes into it. I just I wow. really was struggling. Um, Interesting. And and so yeah, for me personally, this is a three. Interesting. I I didn't realize that you were you were so sensitive about animal um, abuse in movies. Um, I of course love animals of all kinds, and so uh, I'm sensitive to that. But uh, but I didn't find the same difficulty in watching this sure. uh, that you did. So uh, a three, interesting. I I I I found it to be better than that. Um, but this also, I think, one of the fundamental problems we have with this movie is that it's not your type of movie. Uh, this is fundamentally a science fiction movie of a sort, um, because it's dealing with you know 
Unreal Science. Uh, and so <laughs> I am going to call it a... Uh, it, and this type of movie does tend to tickle my fancy. So I, uh, I'm i going to give it a... Um, I'm alternating between a 6 and a 7 because uh, it it doesn't hold up as well as it should. There are definitely things that are subpar about it. I wish they'd gotten any other actor than James Franco to yeah, be the he's lead. Yeah, not great. Not great at all. Yeah. Uh, so maybe I'll give it a uh, maybe I'll give it a 6 because of that. You know but... what he reminds me of? He reminds me <laughs> what? of did... He reminds me of Denise Richards as a nuclear scientist in Bond. That's what he reminds me of. Oh, interesting. Or Denise <laughs> Richards as a as a pilot in uh, Starship Troopers, which you probably haven't seen. I have anyway. seen Starship Troopers. I was oh. a huge Robert Heinlein fan. Yeah. Yeah. Denise Richards is uh, uh, also not great. Um, but James <laughs> Franco, man. Uh, it's funny because I've seen him in stuff that I've liked him in, but I just don't think he's a great actor. His brother, I think, is better. Yeah. His younger brother. Anyway, uh, and cuter. Uh, but uh, so I think a six for me is probably where I'll end up. All yeah. right. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Um, I do know what I'm giving you next week. If Ooh, I'm excited. I'm excited. I, Let's find out what I it is. I am going to go back into the 80s again. Uh, <gasps> and I hope that you haven't seen this movie. But it's I had to in order to continue our Michelle Pfeiffer trend. Okay. And uh, I want to share with you one of my very favorite childhood movies and it's a movie called lady hawk oh okay okay sorry have you seen lady hawk i have not seen lady hawk and i will definitely watch it this week so lady hawk it's uh, stars michelle pfeiffer and rutger hauer and matthew broderick in a uh, in a kind of a fantasy medieval fantasy uh with knights and magic types of movie and um the the very the premise is that rutger hauer uh gets on the bad side of uh some noble uh i i want to say a religious guy like a like a like a uh what's below the pope uh a bishop of some kind cardinal a cardinal of some kind i think that sounds about right and uh and so the cardinal uh makes a deal with the darks ones that the devil, Satan, I don't know, somebody, and basically puts a curse on Rutger Hauer. And uh, so the Cardinal loves this woman. Rutger Hauer also loves this woman. Who loves Rutger Hauer? So the Cardinal can't have her. So what he does is he curses them so that uh, during the day, he's a wolf. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, during the day, he sh- she is a, a, a hawk. And during the night, he is a wolf. And so uh... they are together forever, but also forever apart. So nice. that's the curse. And Matthew Broderick is a uh, is the comic relief. It's one of his first movies, actually. Uh, I think it's pre-Ferris Bueller. Is it pre-Biloxi Blues? Ooh, boy, that's going back. It would be <laughs> about, around the same time, that early to mid-'80s. Uh, okay. the, the other thing that is delightful about this movie, it, do, do you remember the kind of um, uh, the, 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 the out-of-time style of music that uh, that – the highlander yes. had yes this is more <laughs> more this is a pure 80s soundtrack nice and i love it and so i hope you do too it's fun it's uh there's as far as i know not a lot of animal abuse uh that i remember but i haven't seen this movie in in at least a decade so i am ex- interested in watching it i did right. look to see if it was uh on streaming anywhere and it's not you'll have to rent it but it's like four bucks so okay all right yeah what you well, got 
what I have you ever heard of the band Fun? You know, I love that you ask me this question. I enjoy hearing it every uh, every week. Uh, I have heard of Fun. I don't know that I know <laughs> them. All right. <laughs> I've heard of the concept of Fun. <laughs> I've heard of the concept of Fun. Yeah, so Fun is a band that had a couple of albums in the early 2010s. They all came from different projects, and Fun's album Some Nights was a wild success. Very, very popular album. They toured it for a couple of years, and then before making another album, they stopped. In 2015, they quit. And they claim that there's no bad blood, that they just had moved on to different things, and that the band is not officially broken up. They could come back to it at any time. But... One of the members of Fun is Jack Antonoff. Do you know who Jack Antonoff is? No, so I don't. Jack Antonoff is a extremely successful producer who works with, amongst many many others, Taylor Swift a lot. Oh, and so he's, and he's a member of Fun. He is a member of Fun, but he's huh. he's busy now. He's, he's busy. He's, he's doing stuff. He's busy doing stuff. Yeah, he also has he also has a band called Bleachers, which is very fantastic and has released a couple of albums since the last fun album. So the uh pitch for this album is is it's kind of like a lost Queen album. Now this may be overselling it a little for you, okay? But I think in uh, vocal performance and sort of the sweep of the music, it is a little bit queeny. Now, oh. I don't want you to get super disappointed when you find out that this is not actually a Queen album. But well, no, obviously I know that, but but it is pretty fun. I Ooh, really like okay. it. Okay, what I, is their big song? What would I what would I know? It's going to be on this album, I assume. Uh, some nights. Uh, so there's two big songs. There's Some Nights, and then there's the other one, which I have to look up real quick. Uh, oh, oh, We, we Are Young. We Are Young, yeah. That you, sounds familiar. You may very well know the song We Are Young. Okay. There's I a can't few, pull it out of my brain at the moment, but it sounds familiar. There's a uh, few great, man. tracks on here that maybe I'm pretty sure you aren't going to like. Uh, they're a little minor key, blah, 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 but it's only 46 minutes. Oh. It's not too long. And I don't I, mind a minor key every now and then. Well, we'll see. We'll see. Okay, we'll see. But it's we'll a really good album. To it. Did you, Travis, want to tell our listeners where they can contact us? Well, you know, it's fascinating, Matthew, because I have talked to several people about this podcast, and every time I say I'm being exposed to new music every week, they say, you should listen to blank. And I say, well, you should go to our Facebook page, which is uh, at Exposing Ourselves, and uh, follow us and comment and let us know what your suggestion is. Or, alternately, you can email us at ExposingOurselvesPodcast at gmail.com and, and, and let us know your suggestion, and we will take it under serious advisement. So, um, and, and not just about music for me, but also if you have ideas for movies that Matt should watch, let us know because uh, we are interested. And, of course, let us know if you agree or disagree vehemently uh, or just subtly with any of our comments. Uh, we would love to hear from you. <laughs> I would love to get an email that is tinged with subtle disagreement. <laughs> yeah, a little uh, <laughs> passive-aggressive, like, <laughs> I guess you guys are okay. 
All right. Hey, Matthew. Yes, Travis. Thank you for exposing yourself to me. Well, you're very welcome, Travis. Thank you for exposing yourself to me. It is a delight. <laughs> I'll talk to you next week. Yeah, bye-bye. Bye. Bye. <laughs>